Here we go. I wasn't. Good morning. We are in our sixth lesson of the Lord's Prayer, which puts us at the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 14. All right, Matthew 6, 5 to 14. And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into the, your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And, get, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other, others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Let us pray. Father, please teach us this morning. Lord, humble our hearts. For as we come this morning to learn about your prayer, we come to the part of the prayer that we will not want to pray. Because it means we have to change. But Lord, change us into the image of your Son by the power of your Spirit and for your glory. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. As I just said in the prayer, this is the part of the Lord's Prayer where if we think about it for too long, um, we're going to find out we, we don't want to pray this prayer. This is going to be the part of the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples. Now we're getting to you. Right? Now we're getting to your heart. Remember last week we saw that in the Lord's Prayer there's an there's an earthward direction. We start with our Father in heaven, and then in each petition we are asking God the Father to come near us or it's giving us the direction that God is coming near us. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, make, make your name known throughout all the world. Your kingdom come. For where your name is known, you will be worshipped as the king of all creation. Your will be done. Where God's name is known, where he is known as king, that is where the king's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is the, the Lord's will? <laughs> this, is, 
can you turn this down just a little bit? I'm getting a little bit of feedback up here. Thank you. And what is the the will of the Lord for us on earth? That we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, souls, mind, and strength. That we love our neighbor as ourself. That we are to be poor in spirit and meek and hunger and thirst after righteousness. To be merciful, to be peacemakers, to be pure in heart. To be the salt of the earth. To not take the Lord's name in vain. To enjoy the Sabbath. To honor our mother and our father. To not kill. To not steal. To not bear false witness. Do not covenant. Do not covet. We, we are to covenant. We do not covet. We open up the scriptures and it doesn't tell us this is who you should marry or this is what you should do. But it does tell us what the person we are to marry should look like. They should be a believer. They should want to do the will of God, the will of the Lord. What are we supposed to do with our work? It doesn't say be a plumber. But it says when you work, do good at your work. Be faithful. Be honest. Because the work of the Lord has been given to us to cultivate his creation for our own good and for his glory. And of course, this list of the will of the Lord can, can continue. But what the will of the Lord teaches us is it teaches us to be like God himself, right? That's what the Ten Commandments are. It teaches us who God is and how we can best reflect who he is. And then we get to the part of the prayer where we're introduced into the prayer, right? Before, it's all been about, it's been all about God and what he is doing. And we are merely asking to be participants in his creation as his people. But today we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're asking him to give us what we need because we don't already have it. Turn with me in your hymnals to page 877. We're going to go to the shorter catechism. Question 104 in our catechism addresses the fourth petition. It's on page 877. And it says, what do you pray in the fourth petition? In the fourth petition, which is, give us this day our daily bread, we pray that of God's free gift, we may receive a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessings with them. It's so interesting that we must pray to the God, the giver of life. We must ask him to give us Good things, right? The larger catechism, which is, isn't in the Trinity Hymnal, I'll just read it, says it this way. In the fourth petition, we, we acknowledging that in Adam and by, our, and by our own sin have forfeited the right of all outward blessings of this life 
and deserve only wholly deprived lives. We should only receive the curses, and we merit nothing. But it's by God's good grace that he provides for our daily needs. When we're praying this prayer, we're asking God to give us something that we don't deserve. Last week we saw when we typically pray, your will be done, we're actually giving up our right because in our own hearts, typically what we want done is our will. And what we're typically asking for when we go to, the God, go to God in prayer is, God, please give me this. Or God, I really, really, really need this. God, provide for my children. God, get rid of my debt. God, please, you fill in the blank. And what Jesus is telling us is that what we need is daily communion with the one who fills our every need. So let me ask you, if you could ask God for anything, what would you ask him? If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask for? The next question is, if you got that one thing, what then? Right? Materialistically, we can't figure out as a society why the richest people in the world aren't the most content people in the world. They have everything. If they see it, they can buy it. If they have a need, they can fulfill it. Yet it's the one who lacks so much that seem to be the happiest people you will ever meet. And we have to ask ourselves, do we truly believe that God gives us what we need? Does he delight in providing for us? We're not talking about just spouses and houses we're talking about our daily needs. If you've ever interacted with a small child, there's those little baby block shape sorter things. They're, they're typically round and they're the ones I've seen are, I think they're blue on the top and they have like a triangle and a square and a circle and a star and like a clover. And you have these very specific blocks Right, that are the children are supposed to find the right block to, to put in there. But when in fact, what we try to do with our prayers, what we try to do with our lives is take whatever size block we can and just shove it into the will of God and we try to make it fit. Right? I mean, some children even go outside of, you know, here's a star. I'm going to make it through the circle. They're, they're going to get in like a book, right? Something completely outside of the toy. And they're trying to shove it in. And what 
Christ is trying to teach his disciples is that the only thing that our heart will find satisfaction in, the only shape on that block set that we are designed for is to fit into Christ, who is the bread of life. We have to ask ourselves, are we trying to force fit our lives into what we think is what's best for us? And what we are trying to ask ourselves is, are we willing for God to fill that void in our hearts? Because it's, it's a lot easier to try to fill it ourselves. We think, right? But do we really believe that the king of creation, who has everything, will actually provide what we actually need? And do we trust him to give it to us? Genesis 17 is a perfect picture of this, right? You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to summarize the story. God's making a covenant with Abraham. He promises them, promises him, that he is going to bless him through a son. And what does Abraham do? Anyone know the story? Abraham laughs. He's like, I'm 99. You're promising me a son through my wife who's 90? It's a pretty funny, God. Right? And then, and then in chapter 18, what do we see? Sarah finds out about this promise, and what does she do? She laughs. And yet what we see is that even through their doubt, God still fulfilled them and he provided them with the promised seed that they had been hoping for. Because God was able to do far beyond what they ever could have imagined. God provided them for something they didn't even know that they could have. And we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to ask God to do the same in our lives? And this prayer is about the mundane, the everyday things, the food that we eat. In Psalm 62, we have this wonderful psalm, and it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. That's like bumper sticker verse, verse on Facebook, that's it. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. And this is an indicative. So this is, this is David stating what is true. And then in the next verse we find the imperative. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Indicative, God alone is my salvation. Imperative, what we must believe, he alone is my salvation. David is telling his own heart what he needs to believe because it's hard to believe that God will give us rest for our souls. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray a prayer that they cannot truly pray 
unless they believe that God can sustain them. And what we're asking God to do is to give us just enough. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray to God to give them just enough. Turn with me to Exodus 16. It's on page um, 58 in your pew Bibles. This is the original daily bread passage. Israel has just come out of Egypt. They're headed to Mount Sinai. And this is where we find them. They set out from Elam, and the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would you have, or would that we have died? I skipped a line. And the people said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when he sat by when we sat by the pots, meat pots, and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Israel is just been saved through the Red Sea. And they're grumbling because they're hungry. Not only are they grumbling because they're hungry, they accuse Aaron and Moses of bringing them to the wilderness that they might die. The text continues. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather the day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepared what they were to, what they were to bring, it will be as twice as much as they, the, as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening the meat to eat and in the morning bread to full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumbled against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation and to the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them at twilight, you shall eat the meat and the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. In the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone, gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake 
like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given, given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather it, each of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whatever gathered, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let none of you, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was hungry with them. Or, and Moses was angry with them. Morning by mor- morning they gathered it, each as much as he could. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they ga- gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, and he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside and keep till morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you should gather it, and on the seventh, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. And on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. So essentially, the people have grumbled. We don't have enough food. God listened to their grumbling and said, in the morning, I'm going to give you bread from heaven, manna, right? This is what Jesus is referencing in verse 6 when he said, it was not Moses who gave your fathers manna from heaven, but it was God who gave them manna from heaven. And so God has heard them grumbling. He gives them bread and he tells them, gather as much as you need for that day and take it into your home, all that you want to eat, and it's yours. And in the evening, there was quail. He provided this food for them, for them to eat. Each day, he gave them what they needed. But then on the on Friday, which would have been the day before the Sabbath, there was twice as much food. And he said, gather a double portion and let it rest overnight and it will still be good in the morning. But if during the weekday, if they gathered too much, what happened? Worms came and ate it and it stank. So what does this mean for us in our daily bread? Why is God doing this to Israel? God's teaching them it's not about the supply. It's about your dependence on me. It wasn't that the bread wasn't any good. God could sustain the bread to last overnight. He did it on the Sabbath day. But what he's teaching Israel is that you don't need more than what I provide for you. It established dependence. It established them Every single day seeking out not the bread, but the one who provided the bread for them. It was about a relationship. It wasn't about the food. God was revealing it to them 
that what they wanted was the food and not the giver of the food. He's saying, wake up. This is what I am providing for you. We read in Matthew where God tells his people, or where Jesus tells his disciples, do not be anxious about anything because God will provide for you. He cares more about you than he does the lilies, and the lilies have everything. The purpose of this petition is to teach us that we are dependent upon God and nothing else to sustain us. We don't need anything else. And if we seek for something to fill that void in our heart other than God himself, we will always be looking for our full and something else. And what's great about the gospel is that we don't even deserve it. We are like Israel grumbling in the wilderness. We don't even deserve it, but God seeks us out and provides for us because he loves us and he has redeemed us in his son. We're not to ask for a license to get rich. We are called to ask to meet the one who fills us daily, both physically and spiritually with what we need. A passage I often quote when we come to the Lord's Supper is John 6, 35-37, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you, that you have seen me and yet you have not believed. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. This is true dependence. It's interesting. Um, I've been looking at different liturgies of the Lord's Supper. And I Something, something that I, I read about the, the portion size, right? Man, I wish I could get a little bit more bread. Man, I wish I had a little bit more wine, right? That's what you all are really thinking. Man, I wish I just had a little bit more wine. But what a perfect picture, right, of daily dependence. Just enough. Because it's not the bread that sustains us. It's Christ himself. It's not the wine that makes our hearts joyful, as the Psalms speak of it. It's the blood of Christ that should make us joyful. And this little bit of bread, the manna from heaven, points to something that's greater to come. The wedding feast of the Lamb. Where guess what? We'll have all of it. We'll eat until our bellies are full. But it's because it's the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's because we will meet the one who met 
our daily need for bread. We'll dine with Christ himself. Because we really don't want to pray this prayer. Because it means we need to get rid of everything else that removes our dependency upon Christ alone. Right? When we pray the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, we're actually, should be asking God to remove everything else that we depend upon. Now, I, I wanted to start today and say this is the hardest part of the Lord's Prayer, but I'm afraid that's going to be next week. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God has moved to us, towards us. His motion is always earthwardness. And when we find him in Jesus, Jesus says, may he be your daily bread. And he is our provider. We must trust. We must trust that he will give us what we need. Everything else is just extra. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, comfort our hearts. Comfort our hearts as we begrudgingly release the things in our lives that we depend upon that are anything other than Christ himself. Lord, teach us to seek nothing other than Christ. Lord, give us our daily bread. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.